you feel good, you've got plans, things are going well, and then lo and behold, you wake up one morning and you have a health condition. It's sudden, you panic, you lose confidence, and your world shrinks. But my guest today has got through that experience and totally unshrunk her world and got her confidence back. How? Well, listen up. Welcome to Self-Belief Unsquashed. I'm your host, Tricia Lewis, and I wouldn't be hosting this if I hadn't been on my own unsquashing journey. What am I talking about? Well, subscribe and you'll learn more. It's all about increasing your joy, impact and growth, whether you're an individual student, job changer, or, you know, in later life like me. Just getting more out of life by being unsquashed. I suggest you start from inside, which is self-belief, which is self-awareness of what's holding you back. And I talk about the fears, illusions and baggage, which happens to stand for fibs that hold you back. So you want to know more about those? A little bit of psychology, real story, real action tips. Well, you're in the right place. My guest, Crescentia Cook, is a qualified coach who specialises in helping those with atrial fibrillation control their anxiety and make the lifestyle changes they need to reduce their symptoms and improve that quality of life. She really does know her stuff when it comes to the mind-body connection and confidence and, well, she's lived through this. So you don't have to have atrial fibrillation to understand how any sudden setbacks can affect your confidence and shrink your life. So listen up. We're going to have some fascinating conversation and I'm going to, as always, struggle to keep it to this 30-minute um, thing, which I'm trying to be very self-disciplined about. So let's get straight on in there, Cress. And can you share with the listeners a story which kind of illustrates squashing or even unsquashing or both, but in that genre? Okay. Thanks for having me on the show, Trish. Um, my story started last year in November after like 40 plus years in corporate life. Children leaving home, I decided to leave work and go traveling for a year, which was something I've always wanted to do. I've been traveling before the children. Once you have children, your holidays change. And then, and then I thought, right, so I planned it all. I was going to Spain, I was going to India and then Far East and spending time there, taking wherever my heart took me, really. Anyway, I had problems getting the visa for India in England because at the time you had to make an appointment and you couldn't get an e-visa. So it was about three months and I thought, well, I'm going to Spain. I'll get my visa in Spain. So all good, went to the consulate, handed my passport in and they said, oh, we'll send it back to you. And I said, I thought I could pick it up. And they said, well, actually, we don't allow that since uh, COVID. 
uh, just put your phone number on there and we'll call you when it's ready. And I thought, okay, but I am traveling around. And they said, no, we'll give you a call. Anyway, they did text me to say my passport was back, was sent back. I never received it. And then it was like four weeks of trying to get my passport back, back and forth. But I still traveled around Spain. It was really nice. I went to, to, to Toledo and Malaga and lots of other interesting places. But it's really difficult in Spain to travel without a passport because you need a passport to get on the trains. There were places in Al the Alhambra. I think that's how it says. I couldn't go in because I didn't have a passport. You can't book hotels without a passport. So this was, and then I was trying to chase my passport. So I was getting really, really stressed out. And then one day I, a fit, my Fitbit said, oh, would you like to join Fitbit Premium? And I thought, oh, okay, you know, I'm not going to learn anything. Well, the next morning I woke up and I had six messages saying, I had an erratic, erratic heartbeat and it's probably atrial fibrillation. And I'd never heard of atrial fibrillation. I know about it now. But um, so that's when panic sets in, real panic. I stayed up like 24 hours researching it, watching all the videos, getting more and more worried because stroke is one of the biggest uh, side effects, if you call it that of atrial fibrillation, uh, cancelled my passport, came back home, doctor said, yes, you have got atrial fibrillation. Actually, they saw me quite quickly, which I thought, well, this is important because <laughs> I made I made an appointment and they saw me the next morning, which never happens with my GP surgery. And um, then it was like loads and loads of tests. I had really high blood pressure. Um, so it was immediately on tablets, immediately on a tablet, uh, blood thinner for the stroke. And, and I lost all my confidence. I just went from somebody who was, you know, happy to be traveling around on her own for a year to being frightened of leaving the house. I hated driving. I live in Bristol. I hated driving out of town. I wouldn't drive out of town. I got really scared about being away from the hospital. I couldn't sleep because I'd be just listening to my heartbeat. And as I said, my whole world shrunk. And I really thought, this is not what I want. I was so scared because I just, for me at the time, I viewed it as a slippery slope down of health, you know, getting over 60. And then this is the start, I thought. Um, so it it really really scared me. That that is I that's a very um I know you're into visualization. You, you really painted that picture extremely well, Chris. I was with you, and I and I've been to the Alhambra. Uh, I did have my passport, uh, so I was even visualizing that, as you said it. So yes, I've got the whole I've got that whole journey in my head, and the rising mounting panic of of getting this diagnosis, and then, as we all know, when we do the Google search thing, oh, that can be that can be great, and it can be horrendous. Um, and what is so interesting, and we're obviously going to go into this loss of confidence thing. Um, listeners, when I when I met first met 
Christ, we haven't met in person, but online, um, I realised we had something massively in common because my husband has atrial fibrillation and is managing it. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we, we got quite nerdy over that. But we won't get too medical in this episode. What I want to focus on is you then obviously had to go on a journey in terms of managing the irony, obviously, is the more stressed you got about this, the worse it was for the condition. <laughs> Definitely, there's a sort of cycle. AFib, stress can trigger AFib, it's shortened. And then because you've got AFib, whenever you're in an episode, because your heart's just dancing in your chest, then you get more stress. And it's just like a, a circle, you know a stress circle and I had I felt I was lucky because I I coached about stress so I had techniques I could use myself on myself and I had friends that I went to because I think when you um so I do EFT and I do havening I use that on myself but when you're actually talking to somebody else it's like if you hit yourself you won't hit yourself really hard but when you talk to somebody else and they're they're talking to you about how you're feeling you actually get deeper so I I did go to a friend for hypnotherapy and a friend for EFT and I had acupuncture but um but there was a lot yeah no I, I need to because listeners will be hearing various things they might not be familiar with so you mentioned that so it's EFT well emotional freedom technique and for that, you tap on various, on your face and your body, but your upper part of your body. You tap on various acupressure points, which are the end of the meridians. So it helps your energy flow through your body. But it's really, really good for lots and lots of different things. And I'm an EFT practitioner. And I, when I was training, I was absolutely shocked at the changes. You know, you can't guarantee what happened quickly because... Sometimes there's a lot of things holding up. It was explained if you've got a problem, it's like the tabletop. And then there are a lot of legs holding that tabletop up. And with EFT, you can you have to move all the legs before the problem goes. And you might have a session that moves a few legs. So say you're frightened of mice, and we might have a session because you, you're frightened of them crawling across the room. So we tap on that and you stop being frightened, but then you might be frightened less week. So you, you tap on that. So yeah, until everything that you're frightened of, you remove it all and then the anxiety or the fear goes. Excellent. Thank you for and and the other thing you mentioned was it haven havening? Havening. Havening is a way of touching. <laughs> it sounds awful, touching yourself. That sounds good. <laughs> so well, I can tell people if they, you want to do it, it's really easy. Put your left hand on, right hand on your left shoulder, your left hand on your right shoulder, and sort of stroke yourself. And that's it's that's one of one of the havening moves. And then you do other things with it, like count one, two, three, four, and sing and stuff like that. You do that in the FT as well. But if you do it now, you can see it helps your your autonomic nervous system relax and calm and then you just sort of like wash 
your hands like that and you can brush your face down. So those, I used to use them, that sort of thing. I think when you're really stressed out about something, which I found is I, even though I practice meditation, I couldn't stop my brain from overworking, but I did find just, you know, five, 10 minutes of that and you can squeeze, really, really help calm me down. So that's a really nice technique for people oh, to use. Listeners, you might want to just press pause and do that because I just did it. I don't know if I can go on with the interview now because I'm so relaxed. <laughs> it was so lovely. It was just lovely. So just that simple one, listeners, right hand on left shoulder, left hand on right shoulder, and just bring your hands slowly down your upper arms as if you're hugging yourself, basically, but really gently and just repeatedly doing that. And, and yes, and this, listen to the rest of that back, but that's, that's just a lovely thing. Right. So that we've already seen and knew Chris was going to share some great practical tips. But let's think about this. When you say, I lost all my confidence, which Many of us say for various reasons that things happen in our world, whether it's whether it's a moment in a day or something that goes on for years. There, there are there are these things that trigger this. Ah, uh, you know, I suddenly, and it's often from people who, in many other ways, as you said, are confident. You know, are, are doing stuff and you know, ambitious people, successful people, skilled people, all sorts of things have these massive confidence uh, blips, if you like, and they can go on for hours and they can go on for years. So so you had this huge knock to your confidence and this massive sense of almost needing to wrap yourself up in cotton wool, which is not surprising when you suddenly think there is something inside my body, um, which is which I, I guess you felt not in control of in a way at that at that point. I love, by the way, your expression dancing, your heart dancing in your chest, which I suspect is one of your lovely visualizations because it's just <laughs> yeah. it's so much more positive than any of the. Yeah. So when you say just taking it back a step, that sense of how would you put into words that that confidence um, spiral, you know, that downward dip? I think for me, I was shocked because it was kind of immediate and my friends were shocked. It wasn't like a spiral. It was like one day I I was out partying and doing what I was doing, traveling in Spain. And the next day I had this diagnosis. The consultant, the cardiologist was saying I shouldn't travel. I might need a pacemaker. You know, it was all this sort of stuff. And to me, I just thought, this is it. This is my life going downhill. And mentally, I really struggled because I saw my dad had his leg amputated because of diabetes, and he didn't recover from that. And both my brother, my brother and my mum had heart problems, and, and they kind of struggled. And one of the things that really, I think, really shook me is when my dad passed away. My mum got dementia towards the end. And we was we were asked about 10 years after, we were asked how how um 
how was your mum 10 years ago? We had to fill out a questionnaire or something. And we were, my sister and I were talking. He said, oh, when my, well, that was when dad was in hospital. You know, she's, there was a huge hill to our house. She was walking up and down the hill. She didn't drive, getting the bus, feeding dad. And now she couldn't look after herself. And I just thought I got like 10 years. And I think, and I've spoken to lots of people, not just with atrial fibrillation, but other chronic illnesses. And it can have that effect because it makes you think of the end of your life, really. And it makes you feel that vulnerable. And you, don't, and you want to value your life, but you, you want to protect yourself as well. Yeah, that's that's a real tension, isn't it, that you've just highlighted that? Because, I mean... I, I mean, I can look at it from simply, I mean, I've just recently, you know, I, I've been joking about the fact that I'm now officially an old age pensioner. Um, and, you know, I, I'm cool with that because I'm very lucky. I am I am pretty healthy. Um, and for me, the effect is simply, oh, you know, embrace life, really embrace life. I mean, I've always kind of had that mentality, but now it's kind of upped uh, quite a few degrees. Um, so yes, awareness of the uh, passage of time and all the rest of it, and also that sense of, well, I might not always be mobile in its, you know, so let's go for it. So I've recently taken up climbing and all that craziness. So, but but that's without that's without a, a condition, if you like. But so I suppose it is that that tension between, yeah, I, I really need to make the most of the, you know, in case this all goes downhill really quickly. Um, but oh my gosh, I've got to be, I've got to be careful. Um so yeah, so I mean the nearest I can well, come I to it is is saying I, I have a dodgy, I had a dodgy knee and I was letting it take me into all those mind places of um right that's it i'm going to be on a stick i'm going to be on a zimmer i'm going to have to have a stair lift because we live in a flat um i'm not going to be able to do any exercise i'm going to get fat <laughs> etc but what i actually did weirdly was take up climbing which has completely reversed the effect because i've built up all the muscles and so i've actually done something very proactive which has made me feel less vulnerable not more vulnerable, although people might say, oh, going climbing with a dodgy <laughs> knee, that must be very vulnerable. So it is a real conundrum and a tension. So, yeah, t tell me tell me more about how one kind of copes with that. Well, I think I felt exactly like you said, because I've given up work and I thought, right, I'm going to embrace life and do something I've always wanted to do. And suddenly I was faced with this. I've got to... Um, um, my symptoms, I don't know, might be psychological, might be because I was stressed and I had high blood pressure at the time, but I couldn't walk up a hill without getting breathless, climbing, get, going up the stairs. So it really affected me. And I, and I didn't want that life I'd imagined for me. I didn't want it to be down the slippery slope. And I thought, Chris, you need to do something. And... It is very strange because the things I did, I've lost like a stone and a half. I couldn't, I was terrified about going back to the, uh, the gym, but I thought you need to exercise. So it's, it's a bit shameful. I felt ashamed to have to tell people I've got this heart problem, you know. I thought I need to tell them that instructors, in case anything happens, because it can, it hasn't, but... I didn't know. And I just took it step by step. So 
just push yourself as much as you can, a little bit more than you're comfortable with, and then take it to the next step and see what happens. And in fact, I think it's helped um, heal my heart in a way. And I did a couple of visualizations. So one was, there's one on this trip I was going to do for the year. I was going to go to Bali to do a yin yoga course. And actually I was going to do it in India and that never happened. But I tried to rearrange it for somewhere else and somewhere else. And then the final place was going to be Bali. And I thought, right. So I kept visualizing myself on a beach. Every time I got a thought that was um, like, oh, it's going to be bad. I can't do this. You know, I'd have a, a, my visualization, me on a beach drinking a cocktail. And um, yes, yeah, so I wouldn't let myself go down that route. I'd end it as soon as it started. I'd flash up that image. And I did go to Bali and have my cocktail. So I went in June this year and I did my 25-day yin yoga training. And I also visited India and Singapore. So I did part of the trip. But, you know, six months ago before that, I didn't think the doctors were telling me I shouldn't travel. I was scared of being of not being by a hospital. You know, I thought I'll have to check every time I go away where, where the nearest hospital is. And the only time my heart really played up was in India when I was really stressed about something that was happening at home. And it just, I was sat in my bedroom in India. My heart was racing at 180, looking at my, my phone, thinking, where's the nearest hospital? I might have to go in. And because um, I practice breath work and I teach breath work, and I think that was the thing. I probably had this problem for a while, for about a year, and my heart racing, but because breathing helps um, calm your heart down, um, I practice breath work and it just comes down immediately. So whatever they say, it does affect your, uh, switch on your parasympathetic nervous system, and then it does actually stop your heart from racing so that really helps as well wow i yeah because i mean because i talked about me climbing but my husband who has not only atrial fibrillation but also rheumatoid arthritis um has been climbing since he was a teenager and it was him that you know the, my motivation to do it and um he he can well we go two or three times a week. And so you, nobody would look, and he's two years older than me as well. <laughs> nobody <laughs> would look at him and think any of these things were going on inside his body. But he, it's kind of what you were saying about, you know, at, at whatever pace, you know, just a little bit further than comfortable. By the way, can I say at this point, listeners, neither of us are doctors. Um, and anything <laughs> that we talk about in this episode isn't sort of, a, you know, a guaranteed, oh, yes, you'll be able to do this, go climbing, go walk up hills, travel <laughs> to India, you'll, you'll be fine. That's got no way is this a medical um, thing. We're just talking about, we're talking about the n not, if possible, if possible, 
doing everything you can to not let this shrink your world. And we are talking about living, breathing examples in um, both Cress and, and my husband. That's why I have I brought him up. But obviously, everyone is different. But but on the but other hand, this, this mind-body thing, let's just kind of, um, we're, we're almost wrapping up um, before I ask you a couple of little tips and myth busters. But because what you're talking about is being able to do things, because the whole point at the core of this is the connection between our mind and our body. There is a big connection between our minds and bodies. Um, I've read a couple of good books, but I've also seen someone called David Hamilton. <laughs> you're probably the right age to remember the DJ, David Hamilton. Well, anyway, he was coming to do a talk, this David Hamilton. was coming to do a talk in Bristol about the mind-body connection. I've always been interested in that, mainly probably because of my Eastern background, because I was from Myanmar. My brother always used to talk about meditation and mum always used to talk about the Buddhist monks and stuff like that. And I went, I was sort of disappointed it wasn't the DJ, but it was this doctor who used to work in um, the pharmaceutical industry, making tablets. And what he said was, when everybody else was saying, yay, because the tablets had worked or had the effect, he was thinking, why has this the placebo effect, why has this affected all these people? So he's done a lot of research into it. And actually, there is a lot of research into um, the placebo effect. And the only reason, well, there isn't a lot of research. The only reason there's not a lot of research is because there's no money to be made from it. If doctors were handing out placebos, nothing would, would happen. And the other thing that I found very fascinating is that when um, they do these trials, the drug companies will screen out people who potentially could have react to the placebo effect because they need to know that their drug is making a difference. So if they had the same effect with the placebo, they wouldn't get the licensing. So they'll screen them out. So really, it's skewed before it starts, these trials. But definitely, and I, I like this, because when I was listening to a talk with David Hamilton, he says, well, people might say that the mind doesn't affect the body. But have you ever um, had an erotic dream? What happens then? Is your mind affecting your body? And the other thing is, I know this has happened to me, I've woken up and thought my partner at the time was being unfaithful and I've woken up in a bad mood ready to shout at him. And that's just my mind. Nothing. I mean, he's asleep next to me. So can't tell me the mind, you know, the mind does affect the body. Oh, Kurt, I love the fact that we've talked about touching ourselves and erotic dreams in this episode. Listeners, yes, I love this. Um, <laughs> and um, I mean, no, honestly, I love that example. Like, yes, everybody, you come on, listeners, you're resonating with that. And 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 on the sort of darker side of it, as somebody who has um yes, um experienced some somewhat toxic relationships, um I first really, really spotted this, and it was just after reading a book by Dr. Lisa Feldman. Uh, I think it's called How Emotions Are Made. Got it on my shelf. Oh, I'll, put the, I'll put the reference in the thing along with all the other stuff that you've mentioned. 
Um, and it talked about body budget and it re- it really just hammered home that our brain is just in this dark skull, you know, with very little input, eyes, ears, whatever. And and it, it is simply picking up these messages and running with them. Um, and so I it was soon after reading that book and I had a, a, a number come up on my mobile and it was from, you know, toxic relationship situation. Um, and I hadn't picked up the phone. I hadn't had a conversation and my hands were shaking. My hand, and I'm not a shaking hand person, by the way, listeners. So it was very obviously, and I thought, oh my gosh, my stomach was churning. My hands were shaking. Those are two physical symptoms because my mind has told my body I am in danger simply by looking at a number on my screen. So I am in no doubt about the mind-body connection. And listeners, now you're thinking about it, you'll probably be able to think of all sorts. So, I mean, I talk about fear of public speaking, and I mean, all that stuff that we want to go for a wee, we, you know, we all the rest of it is our body preparing for what it thinks is having to run away because you're in massive danger. Um, so yes, oh no, I knew this would happen. We've got started on one of my things I love to talk about, and I know Crest <laughs> would have a oh, you we could talk for hours about this. So let's wrap up with do it whatever order you want, a myth buster and a practical tip for the listeners. I think the myth buster is if you have atrial fibrillation, it's really going to change your life and you have to be careful. I think there's a lot of things, as you say, that you can do. There's lots of research that shows that lifestyle changes actually work. Losing 10% of your body weight makes a lot of difference. Eating good food, getting enough sleep, cutting the alcohol, which was one of the hardest things for me. I used to think I was a party girl. And then I thought, well, what am I going to be then if I'm not going to be a party girl? But what I found, actually, is because I've said no, more of my friends have now said no, which has been nice. So don't be afraid of being different. That's what I would say. Oh, that that is perfect. I mean, how great for this podcast as well. And it's really interesting because you just touched on another thing we could talk for another hour about, <laughs> which is identity labels. You know, so yeah. you you thought of yourself as a party girl. I never thought of myself as sporty. You know, until doing this climbing thing, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, look what I did with my body <laughs> compared to what I did at school when I couldn't even jump over the horse, you know, um, and, and and everybody laughed at me. So identity labels, yeah, that's brilliant. You, you've actually kind of um, expanded your world by kind of ditching that identity label and, and sort of going with this, well, it's not a yeah. label, but this new journey that doesn't have to involve that. That's just brilliant. But what did you just say about being different? That was so lovely. I said, don't be afraid to be different. Simple. I love it. What a great, what a, and, and as for practical tips, you've actually given us about. I've given you a few. So I, think, yeah. I think listeners, you can't, um, you can't really complain that this is short on practical tips, this episode. And I will put um, links or maybe you know ones that you give me which will be ones that you would recommend to any of the things that we've talked about so they'll mm-hmm. be in the show notes listeners so is there anything we haven't covered that you want to cover in two sentences 
I would like to say to anybody who is struggling with a illness and thinks it's going to be, that's it now, this is me, actually, you should use your mind to move away from it and start doing small steps. And once you start getting confident and, and comfortable that, then it, you, and then you can expand your expand your life again, but you don't necessarily need to make it the end. Yes, no, that's... the the last journey. I love that. I love that. So on that note, uh, because it isn't the end and people can reach out and you already talked about how... how, I love the way you described that difference in talking to other people as opposed to doing the work on yourself. So where would people get in touch with you, Chris? So, it's, no, you can't say my name, but it is Crescentia Cook. So there aren't a lot of Crescentia Cooks around. You can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook. I've also got, um, I'm known as the Heart Healthy Living Coach on Instagram. And that's the name of my website, .co.uk. So you can Excellent. contact me on any of those. Brilliant. Um, well, yeah, and I don't know why I've got mind block about your name. It's a lovely thing. I don't know why. I just I, maybe funny. I don't know if I didn't look at it. It's because I'm looking at it written down, and 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 I'm seeing the S and the C, and it's it's doing something weird with my brain. Uh, Crescentia. There we go. Did it. Crescentia. Easy. Yeah. Trish. This has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for your generous sharing and your stories and and everything. And yeah. That's that. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed it. If this unsquashing thing is fascinating you, then go check out my book, The Mystery of the Squashed Self, and my TEDx talk, Beware the Self-Squashing Prophecy. You'll find links on my website, which is trishalewis.com, T-R-I-S-H-A-L-E-W-I-S.com. And if you just keep subscribed to this podcast, you will learn more and more. So share it, spread the word and join me on the next episode.